accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We are at the end of season two, so that means that we get our uh, wrap-up episode. Some people like these, some people don't like them, but uh, I like doing them just because it's nice to sort of catch a breath every once in a while, realize where we are in the series, and then it also gives me a um, a day off from having to upload a real podcast, so I appreciate it for that reason. It gives me a little bit of um, technical breathing room, but I think these are useful to go through. Uh, what we're going to do, if you're unfamiliar, is we're just going to talk about season two as a whole, really sort of... Uh, briefly, I suppose, compared to other episodes. Um, I'll give my thoughts about what I thought about the season. We hand out some fake awards, uh, like the underrated and overrated episodes. And that's pretty much it. And you guys can give me your feedback. Let me know what you thought about the second season of Star Trek DS9 in the comments, or you can email or wherever. You can put them on Twitter. But let me know. YouTube is probably the easiest way. Um, So, season two. Much better? Slightly better? Uh, or not better than uh, season one. I think season two of DS9 is very much a the show in a microcosm figuring out what it wants to be and what it's doing. To me, it, it feels like the season really moves in a like developmental way forward. You can really see the um, changes that the production side are making, where season one of DS9 felt to me like it was really... They started off strong with Emissary and the pilots, and then they quickly were just like, we'll just make TNG stories. Uh, That's what people seem to like. TNG's on. It's successful at this point. We'll just do TNG stories, except we'll set them with this new cast of characters and everything will be hunky-dory. And they they did that to poor effect. Uh, The season one of DS9 is not particularly good, in my opinion, mostly because it is just a TNG knockoff with a crew that is not quite as developed in the cast of characters that aren't as developed in a a show that is not as um, confident in itself as TNG would have been at that point, which would have been season six of TNG. So DS9 started to figure out what they were doing later in season one, where they had from like duets and in the hands of the prophets, uh, which tied in directly into the start of season two. That's when the show started to really embrace what made DS9 its own series and what the uh, strengths and weaknesses of it would be. And I would say that it actually did that in a way that it wasn't, it was embracing the Bajoran aspects, which probably aren't even the strongest aspects of the series, in my opinion. But what the Bajoran arc does and what the examining Bajoran storylines does is that it grounds these stories in a, in that area. So in the sort of universe and the local area of DS9, because Bajor is right next to it, uh, we're grounded in a a more realistic and like a better sort of grounded version of the reality of Star Trek. It wasn't as, um, it's not as sci-fi or fantastical or sort of out there or story of the week. It's much more grounded in the realistic nature of the conflicts that are going on on Bajor and around with the Maquis and everything like that and the political strife and the religious strife and the Cardassians are lurking across the border. So what DS9 does is it starts to realize that it needs to look inward as opposed to these outward facing external stories and that it uses the uh, or it needs to find 
the sort of it's not all political, but it's like the more politically minded aspects of what the show wants to talk about. And it does a better job of doing those stories. And when it when it falls back to TNG type stories, it doesn't really work all that well because the show is not set up for TNG. And that the I, I honestly don't think that the production team is interested in those TNG kind of stories. Um, so the way that season two breaks down is really a very strong development that you can see where the first opening three episodes are the uh, serialized story about the Bajoran coup. Um, and those tie in with the last couple episodes of the first season. They're good. I, I think that they are, they're just hinting at what the show is eventually going to do more frequently. And I don't think that they're extremely interesting or good episodes they get worse as it runs along because it feels more like a stretched out two-parter than anything where the quality of the second half is never really amounting to what the quality of the first half sort of hints at um the middle section is let me pull up the little list here of episodes because i did go through this um ds9 starts off and i would probably say through cardassians so the first five episodes are really strong and really built around understanding what the DS9 universe is all about. After that, from Melora to probably the alternate would be a good example, are uh, TNG knockoff stories. <laughs> and um, It's where the show sort of falls back on itself a little bit. Uh, Melora was a terrible episode. Rules of Acquisition is just the Ferengi episode. Necessary Evil is probably the strongest episode in that stretch. And Second Sight Sanctuary Rivals, the alternate. So, in, in my opinion, even though those are episodes that are built around the DS9 universe, they fall into more of a TNG storytelling trope where there is a A story, which is usually a character story, and then there's like a sci-fi B story that fills in the uh, the spaces that you've got left over. Um, and then after that, from about Armageddon game to maybe the end, although I feel like the, the real upshift in quality is from the Maquis. So it's like Armageddon game to Blood Oath is a different kind of, it's like an improved version of those earlier episodes. Um, everything from Melora to alternate, the alternate is kind of a weaker version of what eventually becomes from Armageddon game all the way to Blood Oath. Uh, that's where the stories actually start getting better. They're more interesting. Whispers is in there. Paradise is underrated, I think. Uh, Shadow Play is okay, whatever. Playing God is a pretty bad version of a TNG story. Profit and Loss, another Cardassian uh, Ferengi story. And then Blood Oath, which is the TOS callback. And then the last section is the Maquis onward to the Jem'Hadar, which are probably the strongest stretch of episodes that the second season did. I know that I've talked before about there are some reviewers who think that's a very strong stretch of Star Trek overall. I think it's a it's strong in the sense that there's no bad episodes that are really mixed in there. Modi thought the tribunal wasn't very good, but I, I kind of disagree with him about that. I think that um, the last like 10, maybe eight or 10 episodes of DS9 second season are pretty solid. They are, it's more impressive that they're all probably like strong threes on my scale, maybe a four, a couple of them touch fours. Um, and that's a, you know, it's it's rare for any of the Star Trek series to have a run like that, where the quality is consistently good. It does happen. It's just not... You always get a few bad episodes peppered in across the, uh, the season just because of the way that the production of 26 episodes works out. Um, but season two ends strong. It's the, as I think Brad said on the uh, Collaborator episode, it is the hints of what is to come, I think, with the series. It's like a... It's, I think he's described it as the first, you know 
degree of uh, increase on an on-ramp. You're like, you're just getting onto what actually is going to be going up and up. And I'd agree with that. Uh, the quality will only get better from there, although it's it's solid. I think the Maki particularly, um, the Jem'Hadar is good. Collaborator is interesting. If you like the Bajoran stuff, crossover, you know, they're sort of branching out into different things. So season two to me is very inconsistent in its quality and it's the season that really feels like it is the year where the writers are trying to figure out what this show can do season one was not that season one was uh, okay we've got a new show let's just get the episodes out and see what happens and season two is really you see the distinct segments of the series you see the growth uh and the changes in production that are going on from you know the opening uh serialized story do a little bit of DS9 into the TNG type stories that don't really work, and then an improved version of the TNG stories, and then finally we settle into what actually DS9 episodes will eventually start to feel like. And you know, Iris Stephen Bear's presence is um, more noticeable in this season. Michael Pillar felt like he was the showrunner of season one. Pillar's still the showrunner of season two, but Iris Stephen Bear is basically the showrunner of everything but name. He'll take over in the third season. But uh, Voyager was in production at this point, at least pre-production, so Pillar's uh, attention would have been put towards that. So he obviously can't be as present here, and it's starting to feel that way. We've noticed in the last couple episodes, you know, how the tone of the series is different at this point, and it's it's good. It's um, I, I sounded like I was hesitant saying that, but it is good. I'm I'm really just trying to figure out. It's been nice watching the DS9 episodes through because of how different they are from TNG. And you don't really get that, or at least I didn't get that perspective until we started watching all of them. In the same way I've talked about how TNG evolved for me as a series, even though I'd seen all the episodes, I'd never really seen them sequentially. Uh, So I didn't have that sort of all-encompassing knowledge that a lot of you listeners actually have that I don't have. But DS9 is... It's funny, it's like when you when you aren't familiar with them, you think of the series as more um, similar than they actually are. And they probably are more similar. It's just when you really become like entrenched in them that you start to notice the difference. And DS9 is already proving that it is the Star Trek series that's probably pushing the envelope the most out of everything, at least in terms of where the baseline exists for Star Trek. You know, TOS was great. Uh, TNG was really more of a reboot of TOS in a lot of ways. It was just a, a futurization of TOS where, uh, you know, on the production side, all the ships are new and everything looks better and everything's shinier. But in the uh, storytelling, it is more about how the, you know, the frontier has been settled or the, the, the unknown has been settled. And now we're trying to sort of um, maneuver in this new comfortable space where everything is very comfortable. There's no real threats that are um, constantly knocking at the door. It feels much more like a safe series than TOS did. And DS9 is a revert back to the frontier life and a challenging of the, well, things can't all be perfect everywhere. So what does that mean in this universe where things are said to be perfect everywhere? Um, and I like that that change is nice. It's, uh, going from TNG to DS9 is a nice evolution of television. I think you can tell it even at this early stage that things are different and it always sounds like I'm being negative towards TNG, but TNG actually accomplished a lot with how restricted its storytelling was. It's kind of amazing that they actually managed to get so many stories and have so many good episodes with how, 
how limited the episodes could actually be when you see things like the later episodes of DS9 with how characters can talk to each other and interact and where they can go with things. And TNG never really had that, and it's impressive that TNG made it as far as it did, but it's nice to see the series branching out and, you know, you kind of expect series to change as things move forward. And I think DS9 does that quite well. Uh, Let's see here. Well, oh, the um, yeah, the other I, I noticed this that I had mentioned this uh, earlier in the podcast, but I noticed that uh, Jammer's reviews, who he does write ups of all the episodes, he mentioned this too. He calls it the season two suffers from the split personality syndrome uh, episodes, and we had noticed this going through as well. We were making fun of it just by calling it the bad B plots in the episode, and they're mostly the middle section where this season more than the first season really suffered from. In my opinion, it's just the fact that they were copying the TNG episode format and not doing it very well, Um, which is to have a character A plot and then have a B plot that is a sci-fi story. DS9 did that a lot, and the DS9 Season 2 episodes that did it are really noticeable for how bad the sci-fi plots are. Um, I think I had asked either Clay or Modi while we were going through, like, do you remember the sci-fi B plots being this bad in TNG? And I don't think that it's were burnt out on the sci-fi angle, which would be one way to look at it. You could just say, well, we've seen so many of these B-plots now that maybe they're just, they seem a little bit silly at this point or repetitive because we've already done everything that should be done. I think that maybe that's a small percentage of the problem. The bigger aspect is that they're just not good stories in a lot of ways. I think the worst one is playing God with the proto-universe that is such a huge idea and they handle it so oddly that the comments for that podcast from the listeners were everyone seemed very confused about what the proto universe was doing it was a lot of conversations of i think they were trying to bring it into the wormhole and leave it there when i think the episode is implying that they're just bringing it back to the gamma quadrant so it's the kind of thing that it's such a huge idea and it has like this universal destructing or destructive uh consequences if the crew doesn't handle it and you end up walking away from the episode not really understanding what was happening um shadow play is kind of an example of that um what's another bad example of it rivals the the luck altering devices rivals is kind of a goofy episode but i think that that b plot is just kind of silly on its on its face um second sight where the relationship that cisco's having is now just like a telepathic fake person thing that's another weird sci-fi angle to go on it suffers from that it and that's mostly the middle of season two really they like run out of gas or they're just trying to get the episodes out and so they're like you know what just copy the tng thing and we'll go from there um and it's not good it's highly noticeable and it's noticeable when they get rid of it starting with episodes like the maquis where moving on forward there's not really a sci-fi b-plot there's sci-fi elements to the stories but there's not the just like okay this is where the science uh star trek science fiction space story is going to fit in the the storytelling utilizes the technology like the wire would be garrick's example like having a sort of sci-fi um you know uh, uh doctoring of garrick's brain where he has this thing that keeps him you know protects him against torture but it's malfunctioning that's the sci-fi angle but it actually works into the character story a lot better than the for example, playing God, which is about the Trill, uh, learning about the Trill and how they initiate people also finding a proto-universe and having to fly it in a shuttlecraft back through the wormhole. Um, and so I think that the you know the, the what it does is that it shows that the show is just better at dealing with its characters than TNG uh, was or TOS was really interested. 
uh, in doing so. And, you know, it, it comes down to it like a surprising amount is known about these characters at this point. Um, and I think that the the surprising thing is how much you know about these characters at this point. You know a lot of backstory about Odo, Kira, Sisko, um, O'Brien, Bashir. You know, when you compare it to, like, what did you learn about Geordi LaForge after seven seasons, besides the fact that he was inept at romantic relationships and that he had a mother, um, you learned that in season seven. Geordi was not born out of the ether. He actually had parents. But you, you don't learn anything else except for Geordi is inept at romance. You don't learn anything outside or more interesting about where his character comes from he is really just sort of a cog in the machine which is fine for the tng storytelling but ds9 is really separating itself just by showing how the characters all interact with each other their own personalities how they stand out and how they conflict or conflict with each other um and that's good i think that that's the separation right there uh, the slow creep of the Dominion introduction. What did people think about this? I think that it, it's fine with the mentions leading up to the Jem'Hadar. Uh, I think Numinous is a YouTube commenter who had mentioned that he thought maybe the Jem'Hadar episode might have done better with a lead-up episode that introduced the Dominion more slowly so that it doesn't feel as an abrupt uh, thing right at the end where you're like, oh, hey, here they are. We've been talking about them for four episodes previous to this, and here they finally are. I think I'd agree with that. They do sort of feel like they come out of nowhere, even though they name drop them. But I think the problem is just name dropping is not enough. It's too much telling and not showing. Um, and, you know, it's it's kind of maybe an unfair criticism to really hold that against the show at this point. But I, I feel that if it was a more modern show, it would have been introduced a little bit more smoothly. and wouldn't have had that abrupt uh, feeling at the end. Um, but other than that, I think that for the series itself, the name drops work, and they built towards uh, that reveal fairly effectively, if not not very well. And that's it. Season two, I don't know. I don't think it's that strong of season. It's definitely a better uh, year of television than the first year was. I don't think we had any of the real dreck that we had in year one. I'm just going to open my ratings and look at them now, actually. Um no, there were a lot of twos in year one, and there's, there's not that. It, it, it seems like a much uh, more drastic improvement than TNG actually had in the, to its second year. So that's pretty interesting. Um, that's about it. I think that's it for uh, my sum up of DS9 Season 2. Do people think this is a good year? Great year? One of the better years of the show? I don't know what you would think. I think most people would say that years four to six are probably the strongest years, but I don't know if people think that year two is interesting for any reason. I see that online um occasionally that people think that but i don't know if the listeners would agree with that let's see uh should we do we'll do the awards and then we'll give our uh the top five and the bottom five episodes for the year so let's see here uh the best script i'm going to give that to necessary evil which is a Peter Allen Field script that is good for its tone and connecting the past to the present, sort of world building in a way that hadn't been done before. I think that the um, the tone and the just the sort of universe building and the way that they take those characters are a really strong script. I like the way that the logs are written and Odo uh, playing the hard boiled film noir detective. I think that's um, it's really. It's probably the best, cleanest script across the entire thing, where some of the others had uh, structural problems or characterizational problems. I think that that's one of the the strongest ones. I think it's a really strong DS9 episode, too. Um, the worst B-plot goes to the proto-universe, which we talked about before. So, my notes here say, so dumb, no one is really sure what happened. I'd agree with that. It was just kind of a, 
you know, it's paired with a Trill episode, which we've been down on um, across the board. And it's a sci-fi plot, as I mentioned, that just doesn't go anywhere and feels sort of odd and inconsequential, even though it has the greatest stakes of all the stories that we've seen so far. Just kind of silly. Underrated episode of the year. I think it's Paradise. Um, I really liked Paradise. I think Paradise is a good Cisco episode. I think that it's a an episode that is has a lot to think about. It's kind of dark. It is well shot, well directed. Um, O'Brien and Cisco have a lot to do. It has a sort of cult examination of like cult of personality and leadership like that, and people believing in things and maybe not being believing in things for the right reasons. Um, I I like it. I like Cisco's Last Stand. I think it's a, a solid episode that doesn't really get brought up as one of the better ones of season two, but I think it's actually up there. Most overrated episode. This is going to get uh, people's blood boiling, but I think it's The Wire. Um, the Wire is a good episode that I think because Garrick is the star gets more credit than it actually deserves. Um, it doesn't you know, we talked about, you can listen to the episode about why we thought that, but I think that it's a, it's a good character episode that ends up feeling unfulfilling just because of the nature of the Garrick character. So, and I understand that people like Garrick and I like Garrick, but I don't know if that episode really holds up outside of a couple scenes that are very good, uh, which is basically Garrick and Bashir talking to each other. And I don't know, it leaves, it left me a little bit unsatisfied. Uh, so that's the overrated episode would be The Wire. Episode I should like more than I actually do would be Blood Oath. Um, I think that it's an episode really built around being a Star Trek fan and appreciating it for what they do by bringing back the three original Klingons. I think it's okay. I I like the idea. I like the fact that they managed to do it. So I feel like I should like it a lot more than I actually do, but I, I end up feeling that it's just okay. It's just, it's a fine episode that has a kind of a neat idea that I'm glad they managed to execute as well as they actually did. Um, and then we'll wrap this up with character power rankings for the second season. So in last place would be Dax, because I don't think we've had a good Dax episode to this point. And I'm just taking this on the second season. Um, Jake would be next, although Jake is kind of unfair. Jake doesn't need to be in every single episode and he doesn't really have that major of a uh, role. So I feel Odd including him, but I thought I'd be there just because he's a listed cast member. Uh, Bashir would be next up. He has Armageddon Game, which I think is pretty good. Uh, he had, on the downside, he had like Molora. And did he have anything else here? No, Armageddon Game. And then uh, The Wire, of course. So he, he kind of he straddles everything there. I liked Armageddon Game. The Wire is pretty good. And then Melora is pretty terrible. Um, after that... Where is it? We have Quark, who I think had a, a fairly solid year. I don't really like the Ferengi episodes this year. Uh, when they focus solely on the Ferengi, I find that that's not really an episode that I enjoy. I like it when he's paired with people like Cisco, like he is in the Jem'Hadar. Art. But um, Quark is Quark is the character to me that feels like he most... At this point, he fits the other characters serving their stories more than he serves his own stories. After Quirk, we would have Cisco. He's had some good. He had the the Maquis. He had you could say that the first opening three are his episodes as well. Um, has the Maquis. He had Second Sight, which was terrible, which is why he's not in the lead at this point. He's got Paradise, which is a good episode for him. 
the Maquis, of course, and then Jemadar would be one. So the Cisco had a pretty good year. Odo has Necessary Evil. Uh, the alternate, which is not that good, but it's not terrible. Uh, and then he's got the... What else does he have here? Shadow Play, which was fine. Um, the Necessary Evil, I think the strength of that is really what bumps him up. You could actually probably say that Odo had a worse year than Cisco. Um, and then lastly would be Kira, who had a pretty strong year. She had a lot to do in the opening three episodes. She had Necessary Evil was one of her major things. Uh, Sanctuary, she was involved in that one. Was, wasn't a very good episode. Uh, Shadow Play, which is fine. And then she has Crossover. She was a major part of that. And The Collaborator, which is not a... Uh, Collaborator is more interesting for how solid of an episode than it is a, like an outstanding episode. But she had a pretty good year. I think Kira has come a long way in her development and as an actress. I think uh, Nana Visitor... Um, is developing the strongest she's the most improved player i guess is the way that you can think of it uh from the first season so i was happy with those but all in all i think that the uh, the character is really strong in the second year and uh there's nothing wrong with that so i think that's it so the top five and bottom five episodes we'll do that and call it a day the worst episodes from uh five to one so rules of acquisition would be my fifth worst invasive procedures number four three is melora two would be playing god and then one is second sight second sight may be the worst episode of the second season um it's so it's so forgettable and it's funny because it's cisco you think that they would have a uh, the cisco focused relationship episode would matter to something but it really doesn't it's terrible so rules of acquisition invasive procedures melora playing god and then second sight and the five best episodes from five to one paradise which i mentioned the Jem'Hadar. The Maquis, Whispers, and then Necessary Evil. Necessary Evil and Whispers are nice sneaking up in the top there because they're self-contained episodes, um, but they're very strong. The Maquis and the Jem'Hadar are a building of the DS9 universe, and then Paradise is just kind of in that middle ground where it's a solid episode that I think does a lot of good character stuff for the DS9 crew. So that's it. Paradise, the Jem'Hadar, Maquis, Whispers, and Necessary Evil are the best five episodes of the second season. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you're, uh, you're enjoying this. People seem to have a lot of comments about uh, Season 3. Looking forward to Season 3. Um, I think Season 3 season three is good. Uh, if it suffers from anything, I think that the writers are a little bit unsure of where to take things after the Jem'Hadar and the search. But we'll talk, to the, we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, season 3 feels like an improved... If I'm remembering it properly and looking at the episode titles, it feels like an improved year that is not quite sure of where it wants to go at that point. So maybe it would be a little bit frustrating at some points, but that's how I remember it anyway. You guys can let me know if I'm wrong. Um, Let's see. Anything else? No, I think that's it. So thank you very much. All the uh, social media links are in the description. You can check out those. You can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show there. That's the best way to do it. Uh, you get different perks like podcasts and the ability to come on this podcast, extra podcasts. We talk about movies. Check out Real Ripe and Real Rotten, which is a film podcast. We'll be coming out with um, Clay had to go away on vacation, so we'll be coming back with the the worst uh, Denzel Washington movie shortly. It's been a little while since we th- did that podcast. Um, Discord. We have a Discord server. There's the Reddit link to the Reddit. Uh, a lot of ways to, to find the show, I suppose, is all this is about. But check out Discord. Check out Patreon and all that stuff. I think that's it. Let me see here. 
Do I have anything else to say? No, I don't think so. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Thank you for uh, listening to this wrap-up. I know some of you don't actually like it, but we'll be back on Thursday with the uh, the search, part one and two. We'll be talking about that with Clay. And then after that, we are deep into, or uh, we're going to head off into the weeds of season three. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. It means a lot. Uh, thank you, patrons. Thank you, everybody. And we will see you in a couple days with the season three premiere. It's called The Search. 